just let you guys know, sometimes I'll ask questions. I'm not going to point you out, I promise, I promise. I just want to share with you my heart, and I really think the, the best place to start is what God has done with me and my story. And um, this is one thing that the devil can't take away from me. You know, it's a story of, of what I've experienced with God. Um, actually, let's see here. How it all started for me, I was uh, raised in the church. Uh, I was raised in a very strict church, like to the point where girls did not wear pants, like that kind of strict. Like guys did not have hair touching their ears or in the back of their neck. And we didn't have drums because drums would make you dance. And if you dance, it might get a little bit crazy. And, uh, you know, and they, they would say things like, um, you know, back, this kind of dates me a little bit, and that's okay, but, you know, they would talk about soft rock, and it says, who has ever been hit by a soft rock? How can you listen to soft rock and be a Christian? You know, it's just weird stuff like that, you know, and, yeah, really, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, so that was the kind of relationship, you know, the, these are the kind of, this is the kind of church that I was raised in. I was like, is this really, like, is this really what it's about? And I'm like, see, at the age of five, I heard a story uh, about Gideon. And Gideon, um, he had conversations with God. And what he did was one time he put a fleece out. And he was testing God to make sure to see whether or not God had um, wanted him to go to war or not go to war. And so he throws this fleece out. Anyway, I just remember being five years old and being blown away by God talking to this man. I'm thinking... Really? I mean, I want to experience God in the same way. And I remember at five years old, I said, you know what? I want to have that relationship with God. And that's how my relationship started, because I wanted to be able to hear the voice of God for myself. And I wanted to talk to God. And at the age of seven, I got baptized. And um, I actually got baptized with my father. And I remember that moment because it was during that time, us Baptists, if there's any Baptists in the house... Uh, the Baptists, okay, I got a Baptist, I got one over here, one over there, <laughs> yeah, um, us Baptists, we would talk about being called, like, we had our call, like, the moment when God says, this is what you're going to do with your life, you know, that was the kind of call, you know, but I remember at seven years old, having the sense of, of God stirring me up, I was actually watching something, okay, before PowerPoints existed, okay, there were slideshows, <laughs> and, they, and, and, and I remember watching slideshows, and I remember being seven years old and sitting in the back of the church, and I remember crying. And I remember my heart being stirred up for the children. And here I am, a child myself. And I knew that God had his hand on me. I knew that God was doing something in my heart. And so um, it's kind of funny looking at me now because I used to be very shy and quiet. And... Um, God has a sense of humor, and he, he basically brought me a microphone. So I really get stretched quite often. But in my neighborhood, I would go through the neighborhood, and I would tell people about Jesus. See, we hand out these things called tracts. You never hear tracts? You ever see those things, those little pamphlets that people hand out? Well, I didn't really know what to say to people, and I'd hand out the track, and I'd say, here you go, you know. <laughs> I'm like, I hope somehow it's going to work. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just going to do it. And um, so I spent a lot of my youth um, just, just talking to God. I, I would hang out in the trees. Like, I, I was, did not have friends growing up. <laughs> and so I would go and, like, I would, like, hang out in the trees, you know, with every non, 
anyway, I wasn't, I was a very strange kid, but, um, <laughs> and quiet. So here I'm hanging out in trees, talking to God, and I would just daydream about heaven. And I would just think about, man, I just can't wait to be there. Like, you know, I'm seven years old. Imagine like thinking, oh God, like, you know, I'd look at myself and I'm like, I'm going to jump on those clouds and I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go now. And, um, that relationship with God w- grew and, um, we ended up moving from uh, outside of Philadelphia to Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And that's where I'm from. I'm from Lancaster originally. Um, and when I lived in Lancaster, I thought to myself, well, no one knows who I am. So now I can kind of be someone I've always wanted to be. I know that there are other people in college that are from out of town. <laughs> and I, I'm sure that there's some, there might be some similarities there. You know, when you go to a town, no one knows who you are, that your brothers and sisters aren't there, your family's not there to go and put you in that box that they think you're in, right? So I, I, we moved to Lancaster, and then I started doing what I was doing when I was in, outside of Philadelphia. And I would go, and I would um, let the neighbors know about Jesus. And I remember the kids, like, imagine, like, a 12-year-old, I'm telling kids, and the, the guys are, like, smoking cigarettes, they're like, what is this guy talking about, you know? But I felt in my heart, I just wanted them to know. I ended up making friends with them, and um, at first it was just because I, I, I really did care about people, and I wanted friends. I really wanted friends. And um, what happened was my parents would go from church to church, like we church hop. So I never really found my roots. I never found a place that was really my own. And as I started to get older, I started to see things inside the church that I did not like, like things that just bothered me, and, and, and I started becoming critical. And as time went on, I started to back away from the church and started to develop my relationships with my friends. And then I started to compromise. Um, what I really started to compromise was um, when I was 18 years old, the Lord told me um, I was planning on going to art school. And the Lord said to me, um, you're going to go to Bible college. And, and, and that's what I felt like. I, I was supposed to go to Bible college. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm kind of done with that part of my life right now. So I just... You know, I don't really don't want to deal with Christians. That was my thought. And um, so I ended up going to Bible college, and I do, and I, and I completely went the opposite direction. I went in Bible college and lost my virginity. I went to Bible college and started drinking. And um, part of it came out of a, a, just a, a sense of not having friendship and just, just coming in and feeling like a square uh, peg in a round hole. And I just, I just didn't feel like I fit with other, my other brothers and sisters in Christ. And um, I, bas- I basically ju- uh, left school and left Bible college. Um, to make a long story short, basically I got into a place of deep, deep depression. And, um, and, and for, for several years, I just ran away from God. I actually got to the point where I said, God, I don't believe in you anymore. Now, of course, I, I'm telling God I don't believe in him anymore. I'm having a conversation with God. It's like, you know, you know it's kind of like the little kid that tells his mom, I hate you. You know, you don't hate him. You really don't hate him. You know? But I remember just walking away from God, and then I started to really go in the opposite direction of what I was raised. And in the process of me doing that, I just said, okay, well— yeah, they said not to go and, and to, to have girlfriends and sleep with their girlfriends. So I'd go and I'd do that. Uh, not to drink and not to be drunk with wine. Okay, well, I'd go out and drink. And, and then I was like, well, you're not supposed to do drugs when I started doing that. And um, what happened was it basically got to a place in my life where um, I was just miserable. And um, I actually had a time when I was standing on a bridge in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the year is 1999, and I got myself so drunk and high that I was planning on jumping off a bridge. 
And um, as I'm planning this, there's a band playing in the middle of this bridge. And they actually, what they do is in Pittsburgh every year, they would close off one of the bridges and they'd have bands play for the New Year's uh, party. So um, I knew where I was going to jump and I figured, you know what, there's a whole bunch of people here. I'm going to make it big. I'm going to leave big. And um, uh, as I was planning on jumping, I mean, I was, I mean, I was, I was going to do it. As soon as I, as soon as I looked over to the area where I was going to jump off, um, as we were counting down, it was five, four, three. And as I'm counting down, a girl comes out in the middle of the crowd, just out of the middle of the crowd. And she just comes up to me and she kisses me on the cheek. And I'm thinking, it just shocked me. I was like, what is going on here? Like, what is, and it shocked me to the point where it stopped me from doing it. And you got to understand, this girl walked across the bridge. I mean, there were some people there, but she walked through the crowd to come to me. And um, I couldn't find her. I couldn't find her. She was gone. And I honestly still believe it was an angel to this day because it stopped me from doing that. Now, I would like to say to you that right then and there, I gave my heart back to Jesus, and that wasn't the case. I'm a little bit more stubborn than that. So um, I spent about two or three years just really just— just trying to find myself and find out, like, what is this? What, you know, what do I, what is my life? Where am I supposed to go? And I felt so confused. And, and, and I even went back to school and I, I bombed everything. I just did horrible. I just was not focused. And um, I kept on seeing crazy things happen in my life that grabbed my attention. See, for me to rebel against what I was raised with, I was always having a sense of doom. I always felt like God was going to punish me. I always felt like God was going to come after me with a two-by-four. And, and so I would go and do something wrong, and then I would not see that at all. And I, I was confused. Um, I've had moments in my life where things really just got outside of my understanding. Like, I had one time that I was sitting in a bar. And I'm by myself, and I'm drunk, and I remember feeling someone's hand touch me. And for a split second, it looked like Jesus was standing there, and he disappeared, and I got sober. And for me, I was not raised that way. That was really strange, okay? So I might tell you some things that are going to probably stretch you a little bit. But you think that that would have been the moment that I just would have given my heart back to Jesus. Nope, nope, nope. I'm stubborn. And I thought, well, maybe I might have been, like, hallucinating, or maybe I was, you know, drunk so much, or whatever— and um, I had a situation where I basically ended up going down South Louisiana. Um, see, something about my personality is um, I've always, when I have conflict, I was always run away from my conflict. And um, see, some people run away just, just by their distance and their connection to each other. I would literally run, okay? So I'm in Louisiana. I have my own business down there. And... Um, I had some very strange things that actually brought me to the point where I'm at now. And one of them was, is I had two of my black friends living with me. And I lived in the middle of, like, KKK land, okay? And, and I'm not trying to say it's just in the south, because it's in the north, too. But here I am. I have my two black friends living with me. And I have the KKK coming at my house in the middle of the night, screaming and cursing and saying, I'm going to burn your place down. And I remember, I had my little brother there, and I remember wanting to show my brother that I was a strong brother, because I'm the oldest, okay? Just to let you know, I'm the oldest of ten. I have seven sisters and two brothers. Now you know why I'm bald. I could not go to the bathroom to shampoo my hair. That's why. So here I am, I'm like, my little brother, I'm like, you know what? 
I got this. It's good. I'm the big brother, right? So I go in the bathroom and I cried. And my brother was, and it wasn't just a normal, like, okay cry. It was an ugly cry. You know what I mean by ugly cry? Like, nasty. Like, snot and it's just gross. And you look in the mirror, you're like, am I really crying like this right now? <laughs> you understand. I know you're picking up what I'm throwing down. Okay, good. So here I am, I'm, I, I'm experiencing this, this heart, like my heart is like ripped. And I, and I'm, I, was, I was concerned about my brother because they said they were going to burn our place down that we were living in. And, um, and I remember as, as I'm telling them, the guys were like out in front. They were like, they had a big pickup truck. They had a big rebel flag out the back and says, we're going to burn that place down. You get those people out of there. And they didn't say people. And so um, I just remember saying to them, I said, I said, no, they're not leaving here. They're staying. And then I went and cried. And then I said, Lord, I remember just having this conversation with God. I said, God, I do not deserve your mercy right now. I said, God, I've completely rebelled against you. I said, Lord, I don't need, I, I, I need your help. Please help me. And so um, what happened was the next day I ended up going to my job, opened my business up. And when I came back, all of my neighbors, a lot of my neighbors on the one side said, Darby, you'll never believe what happened as I was pulling into my neighborhood. And they said that the cops went in and busted like seven or eight people, and all of them were from the KKK. So I've seen God do some things that are outside of what we would think. I mean, it's almost ridiculous. And, it, and the thing is, is that it wasn't like that got my heart right away. It wasn't something, you know, you'd think it would just would have won me over, but it was, it was, it was his kindness. It was his goodness that brought me back. It was his kindness that brought me back to him, not a two by four. And so, um, I just remember having, having, um, just, just another year. And I, and what I would do is I would go, I would, I was a serial dater. Okay. Like I would go and date one girl, break up with her because she just, something about her annoyed me. And then I would go and date another girl and this girl would annoy me. And then I'd break up with her and find another girl. And a lot of times they were the same girl, but with a different name and a different face. I was running away from myself is what I came to the realization. There, these girls, there were, it wasn't necessarily the girl's fault. It was my fault. It was something inside of me and something I wasn't happy with myself. Well, I actually, in 2002, um, I, I, it was my second year down, down south and, and with my business. And this year, um, I ended up breaking up with a girl. She was, you know, doing some drugs. And I actually stopped, really stopped drinking. And I wasn't drinking as much. And I wasn't really playing around. And, and, um, and then we broke up. And then um, my, my, my landlord was a minister from the Baptist church in um, West Monroe, Louisiana. And um, what he would do is he wouldn't come and judge me. He would just love me. And I remember him not saying, why are you doing this? Why did you live with your girlfriend? Not, not, that's what I was expecting. And he kept on just coming and pursuing me. And um, he invited my brother and I to help with this camp at, the, at his church. And we decided to go. And, and uh, I just want you to know, my little brother, he was actually, he was really passionate for Jesus. And I, and I felt bad for him being there because I wasn't really living my life for Christ. Well, I ended up going to this campground, and basically the Spirit of God moved on me, and I started to see God move in ways I've never heard before. And this is a Baptist um, camp that I'm involved with. Well, that didn't change everything. It was, in, it was in the fall of 2002. I'm going back to Lancaster, 
and I'm um, staying with my family for a couple months. And I just remember hitting dark depression. And I, I, I had everything from another girl I broke up with, and I, and I said, I'm done with this. And I remember starting to read the Word and starting to pray, but I didn't want to go to church because that's where all the hypocrites were. And uh, I just remember praying for, for months. I'm like, God, I don't feel connected to you at all. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm completely dead. And so I went against the opposite of how I felt, and I just kept on pursuing him. And it wasn't like, I didn't know what to do. I just really didn't know what to do. Then I had something really strange happen. We kind of shifted everything for me. And I already told you some strange things, so I'm going to share a little bit more. And one of them was... Um, I had a friend that I grew up with, and this is a guy that I knew in high school, and um, um, it was during my high school years, and basically I, I saw him again, and he was a pastor's son. Now, I don't know if there's any PKs or, 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 or missionary kids, but sometimes they have it really rough because people have expectations of what they're supposed to be, and this guy kind of got away from his faith also. And I just remember telling Jimmy, I said, Jimmy, I said, we need to give our hearts back to Jesus. Like, I don't know what I'm doing right now, but we can pray together and encourage each other. And, and he said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll get in touch with you. And, and I just kept on feeling a sense of urgency. And every time I talked to him, he would, he would say, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll go and get together. Well, in March 2003, um, my sister wakes me up in the morning and she says, uh, Darby, Darby, Jimmy's dead, Jimmy's dead. And I woke up, and she told me that he got in a car accident. He actually went, was going through a divorce, um, and he had a girlfriend, and she was pregnant, and all three of them died in an accident. And I was like, what in the world's going on here? Like, why did I feel this in my heart to tell him this? Like, what was inside of me? Like, what was God trying to say? And I'm, I'm thinking, like, I'm really confused. I ended up going to the funeral, and I remember looking at him and saying, oh, my goodness, like, he's only, like, a year younger than me. And, and I'm like, my heart was broken. And, 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 and I, I don't know, it just, something rocked me. And so for about two weeks, I just remember, like, like, crying out to God. I said, God, like, I want to know you. Like, I don't want to go off. I don't want to go off without you anymore. I want to, I want to give my heart to you. God, I don't know what to do. I didn't even know what to say to him. I, I just didn't know what to say. And I remember having a conversation with God in April 6, 2003, which is pretty crazy for me, for me to remember a date. I'm sitting out on the front step of my parents' house, and I said, God, and I just had this real, real conversation with God. I said, God, you've been more good to me than bad. I said, but God, you're not bad. I said, this, this bad stuff is something I don't understand about you, but I know that, God, you're good. So I'm taking the bad stuff, and I'm throwing it over here, and I said, God, you're good. Now, I don't know if God does this for just because of my density, <laughs> but I, I experienced the presence of God. Like, it it was to the point where I, I felt like I felt like electricity running through my body, and I'm not I'm not I'm not exaggerating at all. I was like, "What is going on with me right now?" And I remember all of the lights. I could say all the lights, all the darkness inside of me. Everything, all the lights turned on inside of me, and the darkness left. And I said, "This is what I'm born for. This is what I'm." born for. I've been waiting for all these years, and now I'm experiencing something that's in, been in my heart forever, and now I'm experiencing it. I said, God, this is so good. I was like, Lord, I have no idea what to do right now. And I could hear the voice of God. And he said to me, he says, I want you to go into the city, 
And I'm thinking, this is crazy. Now, I want you to know something here. See, in the Baptist church I was raised in, that we didn't believe that we could hear the voice of God. But if you read in all throughout Scripture, you can hear many Scriptures that talk about my sheep hear my voice, and the voice of a stranger they won't pay attention to. See, in the Baptist church, we would call that discernment. So everybody hears the voice of God in some way or another. And a lot of times we might not necessarily say it's the voice of God. I've had that happen growing up, but this time it was like magnified. And God says, I want you to go into the city. And at the time, I actually lost my business. I'm living at my parents' house. I've lost everything, my relationship. I knew the girl was cheating on me, okay? Like, that's a whole other story. And then here I am. I'm like, God, you're good. And God says, I want you to go into the city and get dropped off. And I didn't have a car at the time, so I got dropped off in the city. And then God started to tell me, he says, I want you to make a left here. I'm like, what in the world? God says, go over here. Make a right. Go over there. I'm like, well... Ah, my friends are going to think I lost it now. And then God said to me, he says, there's going to be a man wearing this kind of like hat. It was like a beanie hat. And he says, it's going to be, it's going to have all these colors in it. And I go around the corner and there he is. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I think I just discovered the matrix. (laughs) Like, really? Is this really happening? I was like, this is so cool. Like, what is going on? And then I started to have these occurrences where God would put something on my heart and just encouraging people. Like, I mean, honestly, like, I started telling things about people. I would know things about people, and, and, and they never told me. And I'm thinking, this is crazy. Like, now you got to understand, like, I didn't want to go back to church because I didn't want to lose the fire. I had fire of God in my life. I had passion for him again. I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, I don't want to go back to church. I want to be with you, Jesus. And I just remember him saying, no, 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 no. He says, you got to understand, I love my, I love my people. You need to love your family. I was like, I don't want to love my family right now. I just want to love you. Just you and me and this, and this is great. I just love you. Forget everyone else, you know? And, and honestly, that was, you know, I cared about people, but I just wanted God. That's all I wanted was God now. I'm thinking all these years that I've wasted, I'm like, this is ridiculous. I said, I used to get high. I said, nothing compares to compares to this right now. I used to get drunk, and I'm like, nothing compares to the love of Jesus. Nothing at all. There is not a love out there that will even, there's, there's an itch you'll never get scratched. Like, listen, you, you, you might think the love of your life will be able to solve everything. It will not, unless it's him. And when God gets a hold of you, like, you, you're never going to be the same. You might go and look kind of strange to your friends. See, I've kind of, like, embraced this now because I've always been kind of strange, so it was okay. I'm kind of, like, used to it. So I'm like, okay, God, you know, I'm, I'm good. You're good. I'm not trying to be weird for weird's sake, but God would start doing things. And my family were like, wow, he, we thought he was—they thought I was going to die. They thought I was going to give up my life. They thought—they they saw the depression on me, and they, and they thought— you know, he, what's happening? All of a sudden, now they're seeing me, I'm talking about Jesus. And I'm like, I love Jesus. And, I, and I'm telling you, like, it was so crazy. Like, um, just to kind of make a, I know I'm like sharing just my testimony here, but I feel like there's, there, I feel like that every one of us, um, I want you to know something. A testimony is a story. And a story is a door. And, and every, every time I, someone tells a testimony, it's a door that you can walk through. Now, it might not look the same, but I believe that God has a lot of doors in front of every peop- all the people here tonight. And I believe that we can step in through that door. See, for me, when I went through that door, I felt like I was going through the door of Narnia. 
I am thinking to myself, I'm going to see Mr. Tumnus or something because this is really strange. You know, I'm looking around. I'm like, this is crazy. Where's the white witch? Okay, I'm going to hide from her. Anyway, so here I am. I, 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 I basically got to the place in my life where I was like, this is what I'm born for. So I started having some really strange occurrences. And one of them was, was a time when I was working in construction. And now I want you to know, I was the guy holding the sign. The guy that everyone loves right? All the love. Stop, slow sign. Stop, slow. I was pretty good at it though. You know, I had that flick of the wrist just right. That was what I did. You know, I was a professional. And I remember standing there with my feet killing me and I'd stand up there like this and I'd try to stand like this and people probably, I don't know. I just, I'd be out there from sometimes 12 hours in a day. It was a rough job. Anyway, so I'm in Seven Valleys, Pennsylvania. It's a little, it's a little place outside of York. And I'm holding the sign, and I saw this kid passing by me. And as he's passing by me, he's smoking a cigarette. And God says, you're going to go talk to him. Now, I want you to know, this is after hundreds of experiences, but every one of them were different. And God says, you're going to talk to him. I said, okay, I'm gonna, I'll talk to him. You know, I knew the deal. I know how it worked. You know, at least I thought. And so um, on the third day, the Lord says, okay, now you're going to go talk to him. And as soon as I heard the Lord say that, my foreman says, okay, guys, you guys got a 20-minute break. I'm like, you are so good with your timing. Like, you're so good. And so I end up, like, going, and I'm, I'm like, all excited. I'm like, I'm going to go and do this. And I'm like, I'm like, wait, what am I going to say? And God's like, I'll give you the words when you open your mouth. I was like, wait, no, that's not the drill here. That's not how that works. <laughs> like, like, you're going to tell me i got to open my mouth, and I'm, what am I going to say? I'm like an idiot. She says, that's okay. And so... <laughs> I ended up going to his door and knocking on his door. And, I, and, and listen, I want you guys to know something. Like some, most of the time, God works through people that have no clue what they're doing. So if you have no clue, you're good. <laughs> so I'm there, and I'm knocking on the door. And I'm like, I'm like uh, hi. Uh, um, uh, yeah, I work construction. I'm the guy that's holding the sign. And, and, he, and he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen you before. I've seen you before. Now, I, you ever see those movies where it's in slow motion? And you're like, it's a really awkward moment. You ever see those moments? You know, it's like, it's like, okay, yeah, that was me in this moment right now. It felt like an eternity. So I'm going to open my mouth. I'm like, ah, ah. You know, I'm having like a, I'm like having conversation with God. I'm like, you gotta give me something. And then I just said something to him that sounds so stupid and simple. I said, the Lord doesn't want you to give up on your life. He has a plan for you. I'm like, that's what you wanted to say? I'm like, why can't I tell you, like, you know, there's, there's an, I don't know, just something crazy. And it was something simple. And, got, and, and I, my break was over. And so he got my phone number and called me that night. And he says, Darby, he says, the first day you saw me, I was actually walking back from my friend's house. And I stole a gun. He says, the day that you started praying for me, I actually had a gun in my clothes. And he said, he says, tonight was the night that I was going to pull my car into the alleyway and end my life. And I'm thinking, this is crazy. Are you serious? And so he gave his heart to the Lord. And I've seen so many things, God doing out, things outside the box of what I've been trained. And I want you to tell you something. God is, is this is, I'm going to break English, okay? God is gooder than you think. He's a lot better than you think. He's more amazing than you think. The kingdom of God is so much more 
There, there's nothing boring about the kingdom of God. There's nothing boring about being a follower of Christ. If you're bored, it's nothing to do with him. It's, it has something to do with you, a belief that you believe about God. And so I really believe what's happening right now is that people are being stirred up. I go and I travel around a little bit. I just go to little house meetings here, you know, and, and I, I go to churches and stuff. But what I see constantly is Catholics being stirred up. I see Baptists being stirred up. I see, I see, um, I see um, Presbyterians. I see all different kinds of backgrounds getting stirred up, and they want the more. And not only do they want the more, they also want family. And I really believe that what God has here is family. I believe that God is, is inviting us to go even deeper with him than we ever have before. I believe that God wants to take us to a different place with him. In um, Jeremiah, uh, you have in verse 20, or chapter 20, uh, Jeremiah is talking to God, and he's saying, God, I quit. Like, I'm so done with this. Every time I tell people about you, I'm going, I get thrown into prison. I get beat up by the people. Every time I go and tell people about you, I'm done. I'm done. But in verse 9, he actually says this. But if I do not make mention of your name, it's like a fire in my bones, and I cannot endure holding it in. That is my, that's my life verse. Like, I cannot not talk about him because of what he's done for me. Because he saved me from so much. Like, there, I'm not ashamed of him. I'm not, I'm, I'm not even going to candy coat it. And I'm not here to go and pick on any people either. But I'm here to tell you boldly that Jesus is better than we could ever imagine. He, he, there, there's something about God. He's, he's, he's wanting, he's wanting his family to look like him. See, you already have everything. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have everything that pertains to life and godliness. You have everything inside of you that God has for you. Sometimes we're praying for something he's already given to us. God, I just want to, I want to feel your nearness. He is right there with you. A lot of the problem that we have is this thing right here. So I know this is a really short, short, at least I thought it was short, um, testimony. I don't know. Maybe it was long. I don't know how it is here and enough. But I, I say I believe that God wants to do something tonight. And I believe that God wants to encourage you. And I believe that, that the Lord, I, I, I believe that what, 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 what God is doing in this house is I believe that you guys are coming into a place to hear the voice of God for yourself. See, when you can hear the voice of God for yourself, you're not going to follow every wind of doctrine. You're not going to just go off into some deep end somewhere. When you can hear the voice of God and you hear what the Father is saying to you, it changes everything. It's not just for cool stories. It's to hear the voice of God and what he has to say about you. One of the prayers that I've been asking is that, I said, Lord, I pray that I will know your voice and recognize your voice more than my own mother's. That's the prayer I've been asking. Now, I want you to know something. It's, it's, it's daily. And it's not just for other people. It's for me. It's what God is talking to me about. See, I don't say come to God so you can experience cool things. I'm saying be with God and you'll experience amazing things. Because it's a journey. See, it would be great if, if I could experience all those things and I have no relationship, it would be pointless. If I had the whole world and lost my soul, it would be pointless. God, God is he's looking for a people that will worship him in spirit and truth. He's looking for people that are not going to be ashamed of him. He's looking for people that will hear his voice and will act upon it. 
He's looking for people. He just, listen, he doesn't, he's not looking for perfect people. You don't have to have the whole Bible memorized to go and tell people about Jesus. You just be Jesus. You may be the only Bible that people read. Sometimes we can get so worried about what to say. He says, I'll give you the words to say. So, you know, I just wanted to share that testimony with you guys. 